This is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. There's a lot of ground to cover this week. It's Holy Week, and we recognize that we are going from the triumphal entry, which we celebrate on Palm Sunday, to Jesus um, throwing the people out of the temple, to having his last supper with his disciples, to going to the garden for this anguished prayer, to being arrested, to being put through his trial, to being nailed to the cross, to being buried in a tomb. All that happens between now and next Sunday. So I'm going to jump around just a little bit today and not stay completely on Palm Sunday because I want to try to cover a bunch of territory and under this large umbrella of what we've been doing, which is about prayer. So I'm going to start by looking at another prayer of Jesus on the cross. We did one of them last week. We're going to do one more this week, and it's from Luke 23:46. You don't have to turn there. This, this is a verse you already know. Luke 23:46. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is his final prayer on the cross, according to Luke, and then he breathes his last. Okay? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. This is a prayer that echoes the Psalms, and many of his prayers did that. This one is from Psalm 31. Listen to this first five verses of Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. As we think about trusting prayer today, I want to start by bringing up something that might be familiar to parents here or or anyone who's ever been a parent. And that is a little thing we call the contest of the wills. Or maybe you knew it in your family if you had a strong-willed child as the battle of the wills. Anybody ever have to deal with this? I know that I did on a few occasions. Um, I want you to think about battle of the wills, and I want to get you there by having you watch it play out in this little video clip that we've got for you. So go ahead and watch this. I just watched you touch Jude's food. Yes, you did. You touched Jude's food. Yes, you did touch the food. No, I didn't put it the food. Did you touch Jude's food? No, yes. I didn't get the food. You touched Jude's food. I just watched you do it. I didn't know what you No, I didn't touch the door. Yes, you did touch his food. No, no, I didn't touch his food. You touched his food. Were you playing in Jude's food? You touched the food. No, I didn't touch the food. You did touch the food. No, I didn't touch the food because I did You did touch his food. I watched you touch it. Daddy watched you touch it. You touched the 
You didn't touch the food. No, I didn't touch the food. You can't touch the food. No, I didn't touch the food. With hand, right? You did it with your right hand, didn't you? No, I didn't touch the food. Are you? Don't yell at me. You need to. You did touch the food. No, I didn't Okay, would you like to get in an argument with that kid? Now, the reason we're chuckling, I, I was bawling in the first service. I got a little better control this time. The reason I react so strongly is because this is true, right? This is what happens. When you've got a strong-willed kid and they think they know what they want, then they're, they're not going to back down. Uh, this thing goes on for a couple of minutes, actually, and I, I was just baffled that she never backed down. She was not going to go on. This is the classic uh, battle of the wills. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when I'm reading through Luke's version of what happens in all those things in Holy Week, it occurred to me that this is coming off very much like a battle of the wills. Like all the various characters that come up in this section of Scripture are trying to get their way. And you wonder, as you're reading through this story, who's going to get their way? Who's going to win? Right? Is it going to be the crowds? Are they going to get their way? Are the disciples going to get their way? Are the chief priests or the scribes or the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin, the leaders of the people, there's all these groups that are vying for control and they're trying to exert their wills. Who's going to win? Is Pontius Pilate going to get his way? Is Herod going to get his way? Who's going to get their way? That's what I was thinking as I was reading through this. And you might want to go read through chapter 19 through 23 of Luke and you'll see this tension, this tug of war going back and forth time and time again. I wanted to just share one excerpt from Luke 23 and you, as you're listening to this, see if this doesn't sound like a tantrum to you, okay? Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers of the people, and he said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. And even just now as I'm re reading this, I can hear the crowd going, nay, 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 nay. <laughs> no, nay, 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 nay. Release this man to us. We want Barabbas. That's what they said. But, wanting to release him, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! So Pilate came to them yet a third time. Why? What crime has this man committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then released. But with loud shouts... They insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate gave them what they demanded. Rookie parenting mistake right there, right? Crucify him, crucify him. No, he's done nothing wrong. Crucify him, crucify him. No, he's done nothing wrong. Whose will prevailed? This battle of the wills continues throughout the story. And I'm left wondering, who's going to ultimately get their way in this story? Is it going to be the people, the crowd, or is it going to be the rulers of the people, these religious leaders? Is it going to be the Roman officials? Is Jesus going to get his way? Is God going to get his way? 
These are the questions I'm wondering as I'm reading this. And of course, we've been engaged in a study on prayer now for quite a while, and one thing that should be obvious by now is that it's God's will that really matters in this question, right? What does God want, and are we willing to do what God wants? But clearly not everyone is interested in doing God's will that comes out in this story. So I thought it might be helpful if we took just a few thoughts on the battle of the wills and then some postures that might help us move toward doing God's will. And that's what I want to do for the next few minutes, okay? So the first posture I'm going to call Hosanna Hope. And this is where you need your branches because Hosanna Hope looks like this. Okay, everybody practice this posture. All right, very good, good job. Hosanna Hope says, I believe that God saves and I want him to save me. And the crowd went nuts about this at first Palm Sunday, right? They see Jesus coming and they're recognizing, we need to be saved, we need someone to save us. God, save us, Hosanna, Hosanna. And so they wave their branches. This, as Leah mentioned, is coming out of of Psalm 118, a celebration of Hosanna Hope. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You can hear these words echoed on that first Palm Sunday. From the house of the Lord we bless you. For the Lord is God. We have made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join us in the procession. So I thought it might be good if we added to our uh, Hosanna Hope uh, a little procession. Would you like to do that? Okay. You guys have already amazed me because I have actually here right in my notes that, that you were going to give me a little bit of pushback when I said you had to wave your branches. But you all, I thought there would be a battle of the wills right there, but you guys all submitted to the will of the pastor. So I'm not going to push that and make you process around the room. I'm just going to let it rest right there. Hosanna Hope says... I trust in God to save me. Another great passage for Hosanna Hope would be like Isaiah 12 too. Surely God is my salvation. I'm recognizing that. I'm celebrating that. I will trust and not be afraid. If there's ever a posture that you go, you just have to commit to it, it's this posture, right? I'm not going to be afraid of what anybody thinks. I'm just going to go, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. This is Hosanna Hope. And the people that were there in the crowd on that first Palm Sunday were doing this posture ridiculously. And we were doing it too, very well with the songs. There's another song that we didn't sing that I like, um, a Hosanna song. And it goes like this. Maybe you know it. If you do, you know, sing along. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. Praise is rising. You've got to wave your branches on a song like this. Hope is stirring. Hearts are yearning for you. Yes? Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all of our fears are washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna. You are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have your way among us. We welcome you, Lord Jesus. That's Hosanna hope. That's the first posture that leads us toward submitting to God's will. But there's a turn that comes in this song, and it's in this phrase in the chorus that says, Come have your way among us. We recognize that if we're going to like embrace the salvation that God offers, we're going to have to submit to his way. 
And this song invites it. Come have your way among us, which leads to a second posture, which I'm going to call humble abandonment. Humble abandonment. Come have your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Into your hands I commit my spirit. These are all... uh, visions of this humble abandonment. This will come from Psalm 31, which is a song about this. If you, O Lord, in you, O Lord, I seek refuge, do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Now I've been doing the posture that is humble uh, abandonment and this is what it is. You go, you throw your hands out, palms up, okay? Into your hands I commit my spirit. I I trust you. God, rescue me. God, deliver me. This is the posture. Are you trying that? Try that out. You who are reluctant, you who are battling my will right now, try it out, okay? (laughs) Into your hands I commit my spirit. Humble abandonment. I say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to rely on you. Now, Psalm 31 is a prayer of a person who's like in a desperate condition because they recognize there's only one who can save them. They've cried out with their Hosanna hope, save me, and they recognize, oh, it's God and God alone. I've got to let go of everything else. I have to trust in God alone that he's going to hold me. He's going to help me. In fact, in this prayer, I think there's an interesting move towards saying, I'm going to surrender my, um, my reputation. I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm going to uh, let me not be put to shame. And in this culture, shame, reputation was a big thing. Say, I'm, I let go of it. God, I surrender that to you. Now, I want to make a contrast because the Bible makes a sharp contrast between people like the psalmist in Psalm 31 who says, God, I, uh, I humbly abandon my way and trust you. And those who don't abandon their way but fail to trust God. And they're, they're holding on to something. They're not going to let go of it. And if you are holding on to something that's not God and you're trusting in that thing to save you, what do you call that thing you're holding on to? An idol. Yes, excellent. This is an idol. And so we're going to contrast that with Psalm 31. And this, I'm turning to Isaiah because Isaiah has a lot to say about this. Isaiah 57, 13. When you cry out for help, let your collection of idols save you. Isaiah often takes this turn. He's like, okay, you're holding on to your idol. You think that's going to help you out? Fine. Then when you need to be saved, cry out to that idol. Keep a strong grip on it and then cry out and see what's going to happen to that. When you cry out for help, let your collection of idols save you. And you will find, he says, Isaiah 57, the wind will carry them all away. A mere breath will blow them away. But whoever takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. Try it and see. Does that idol help you? Does holding tight to that thing save you? Give it a try. He says, no, it's going to be like uh, wind, uh, dust in the wind. Now, if you want to read more on this, Isaiah actually has a lot to say, and I'm not going to get, go there, but I would invite you to go home and read Isaiah chapter 44, the whole chapter this afternoon, because there you get this really great vision of people who, di- who try desperately to hold on to these idols and not let go. 
and what, how foolish it became for them and how little hope they discovered when they really thought about what they were doing. Isaiah 44. In contrast, the writer of Psalm 31 says, let it go. Let go of your idols and trust me to take care of you. Now, one of the idols that might have been present in Psalm 31 was this idol of reputation, but it made me wonder, what are the, what are the idols that we are most likely to hang on to here today? And I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of us have a need for security or safety, and we find that by, you know, putting big locks on everything, and we do that by having bank accounts that are full of money, and we do that in lots of different ways, but we're saying, I'm trusting in these things, these idols. Um, The pathway to God's will would be to say, I'm going to let go. I'm going to trust him. The section ends, Psalm 31, with a kind of all-in, explicit abandonment. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Okay? That's the second posture. Hosanna, hope, humble abandonment. And then the third posture is prayerful surrender. Now this fits right with the things we've been talking about when we talk about prayer. And I don't know what your prayerful surrender posture is, There's probably a number of postures. It might be as simple as just, I'm going to bow my head in surrender. It might be, I'm going to bow low in surrender. Maybe if if you're really having a tough time with this, maybe it's this. I got to get down on my knees, bow down, bow low. Prayerful surrender is this posture that says, I'm really serious when I say, I'll follow your will, not mine. Another contrasting verse in Psalm 31. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. See, this is the battle of the wills, right? You can keep clinging to those worthless idols, or you can say, as for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of my enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. I loved that last line because so often when I think of like uh, surrender and, and humble surrender, prayerful surrender, I think I'm giving something up. And so I'm losing my freedom. I'm going to lose control. I'm going to lose power. But really, the invitation is to go, I I surrender, and God, now I can enter into your freedom. I can enter into the spacious place where I trust, God, you will take care of me no matter what happens. And in those times when I just, I can't even hardly understand, or I can't even grasp what you might be doing, the situation seems so wrong, and I feel like, God, if I was... If I could just have my way, I would do it completely different. Then I need to really go deep into this posture and say, but God, not your way, my way, because I admit I don't understand your way. And I maybe don't know what you're doing. And so I have to be humble and I have to surrender. I have to bow down. Here's the way Isaiah 55 talks about that. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth... 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I know there's times when I have to surrender my will to God's will because he's doing something. I don't understand it, but I trust him. That's what this posture does. It says, I trust you. It exposes you, you know, physically. And it opens our heart to him. It leads to a prayerful surrender like Jesus in the garden when he said, not my will but yours. Or like Jesus prayed on the cross, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, three postures. Hosanna, hope, um, humble abandonment, and prayerful surrender. I wanted to try to apply these three postures to the crowd that was there that first Palm Sunday and see how this plays out. Okay? So they obviously had the Hosanna Hope posture down, right? I mean, this is where we get it from. The crowds are there and they're cheering, save us, save us, God, save us. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They got this posture down. They're throwing their coats down, ripping branches off the trees. They're cheering for Jesus. The crowd is building. There's momentum, there's energy. And I imagine that in the moment when they're waving this Hosanna Hope, that they're thinking, ah, Jesus is going to come and he's going to throw these Romans out of here. He's going to deliver us from the hands of our oppressors. He's going to establish his people as a kingdom that's going to last forever and ever. Hosanna, Hosanna. This is the hope they had. I was actually thinking about it this way. I was thinking about it like if this was a basketball game and we were down to the final seconds and our team was down by two and they're driving toward the basket and Jesus is standing right outside the three-point circle and they pass the ball to Jesus to shoot that last three-pointer and win the game in the final second. Has anybody seen anything like this play out in the last few weeks at all, ever? Okay. Do you pay attention to what the crowd's doing in that moment when the ball gets passed to the person right before they shoot the three-pointer? What are they doing? Ah! And no one has to tell them to go crazy. They're going crazy. And then what happens right after he sinks it? Ah, crazy, crazy. Uh, what does Jesus do? He gets the ball. I think he doesn't even take the shot. I think he takes the ball, he lays it on the court, and the clock expires. And the crowd is furious because their will was to win the game. And they knew what kind of game they were playing and that it had to be to get rid of the Romans and that was the only game that mattered to them. They wanted to get their way. And instead, Jesus gets hauled off arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross, and he dies. And this crowd who had a different idea of what should happen through a tantrum. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And it looked like they got their way. But we know now, after the fact, whose will was done 
God's will was done. Exactly. These three postures lead to into your hands I commit my spirit. That's where they lead. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for obeying the will of your Father. Thank you that as far as the east is from the west, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so far have you removed our sins from us. Thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.